passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. It's a special bonus edition here at Post Wrestling. We've got Rewind to SmackDown coming up later tonight. We'll be live at 1015 Eastern for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And we wanted to spend a lot of time tonight taking calls. There's obviously a lot of subjects to go through. And we thought we would do this bonus show to go over some of the big news that has occurred over the past 24 hours. So hello, Wei, on a Friday afternoon. Happy Friday, John. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, we have a lot uh, that, that has gone down. So I wanted to get some of your thoughts on this. We will start with the cuts announced by the WWE on Thursday. Ten names announced. Uh, the biggest being Samoa Joe, uh, but others including uh, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Wesley Blake, Tucker, Mickey James, Kalisto, Chelsea Green, Bo Dallas, and Mojo Rawley. I guess Joe would probably be the one that um, stands out the most that you would be surprised over. I would say anyone that was recently used over the past week. Joe on commentary. Mickey James was on the NXT pre-show doing commentary. You had Billy Kay involved in a match at WrestleMania. So I think those would be the ones that you would be a little surprised by. But in terms of uh, the the names, uh, I guess Joe would certainly be the one that jumps out the most. Yeah, I would say Joe and the Iconics, you know, together. Um, and even to an extent, somebody like Chelsea Green, who, you know, really seems like they had plans for her. Uh, you know, just seems like she just had a, a terrible run of luck injury wise and someone that just never had the opportunity to get up and going. So I, I think she'll be one that will be um, pursued by several companies. I think several of the names on this list, you know, maybe even more so than the, the roster of cuts last year, I could see a number of them uh, directly moving into prime spots in some, several other companies. I, I would say in Joe's case, you know, some of the circumstances, really the circumstances surrounding his absence from in-ring competition over the past year or so have been somewhat mysterious. And I do wonder how much of a factor, uh, you know, maybe his present medical um, condition might have anything to do with things. What, any thoughts on that, John? Well, it was interesting because I found this interview he did just a month ago with uh, Justin Barrasso at SI.com and was asked about, you know, what his future is regarding wrestling. And at the time, uh, this was March, the beginning of March. He said, I don't think my in-ring career is done. I have some really strong goals I look forward to pursuing in the near future. It's all about taking the best and healthiest approach to my recovery. When it comes to concussions, the amount of knowledge and science that has evolved over the past decade has been incredible. I suffered one on TV, then another one shortly thereafter. 
For my health and safety, WWE pulled me back and I was all on board. There have also been some holdups with the pandemic in terms of medical availability of certain specialists and facilities, so that's played a large factor in the timing. But like I said, WWE Medical is doing their very best for me to have the healthiest return possible. So I thought that was pretty telling that this ha- this was done not all that long ago that he clearly had in mind that commentary was not his end spot in WWE, that it was a transition until he would gain clearance and return to wrestle. So that brings about the obvious question. I think mentally, I think he's planning to return and the only holdup would be what, what would be discovered and would any companies, I mean, they would just want to have that, that notification, that clearance that, uh, he is okay to return, but it would seem like he certainly feels he has not done wrestling. Yeah, I mean, we've been through this with Daniel Bryan in the past, and you know, I'm sure details will still emerge in regards to Joe's specific situation. But um, you know, I I don't doubt that another company will allow him to continue his in ring career. And that brings about, like, I I would say, just about any company, um, if Joe is healthy, would want to pursue him. If we're looking specifically at AEW like where where do you kind of weigh this the guy is 42 years old wide range of talents beyond just someone that you can utilize in the ring Um, but this is a company that has just added a lot of significant names adding an like on his own I think it's a really compelling performer to bring in but when you're looking at the overall mix and just a numbers game does Joe fit at this present time I would say absolutely yes I wouldn't say that about every single person on this list, um, but I think you make an exception for Samoa Joe. You know, you're talking about AEW, which is a roster very much kind of made of, um, I would say, you know, independent wrestling fans who, you know, uh, created this out of, I think, the best of the indies. And to me, there's nobody that still currently more represents the, 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 the greatness of, I think, you know, the peak of the independent wrestling scene more than Samoa Joe and his run with the Ring of Honor back in the mid 2000s. He, to me, will forever be a legend to this audience. And uh, just picturing how he would mix in there in dream matches with people like Kenny Omega or, you know, um, any anybody that's currently on that roster, I think he would be a perfect fit for the style. He is another large man that you could immediately jump into the main event. So I would absolutely say he would be a great fit for AEW. I, I think he would be, you know, a great asset to them. I think it's just ultimately like a, a numbers game, but AEW has shown like great interest when it comes to names being available. And of those guys that you look at that they've added over the past year from Christian and Big Show and Miro, Paul White, um, to me, like Joe would be someone that uh, healthy is a huge asset to them. But I would I would not discount any companies that would like – a new Japan could greatly use a Joe, but I think it's ultimately at 42. Now, what does he want to do? Does he want to go out and do like a Moxley set of dream matches and just go all over the place? Does he have a specific goal? Does he want to transition out of wrestling at some point? Like he, to me, I think he just wants to make money primarily. I mean, I'm sure he wants to be creatively fulfilled as well, but I I think money is going to be the best, like, like for many people, for all anybody in any profession, you know, who's going to make him the biggest offer. Well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where else can you see him? Can you see him entertaining offers from either impact or ROH? I'm certain that those companies will show interest. And I think that it's like with impact, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Anthem, uh, we'll talk about this. I mean, they have just bought a entire MMA promotion. So 
I mean, if they want to allocate resources, they can make a very competitive offer for a Samoa Joe. Uh, Ring of Honor has a giant parent company behind them as well. So it all comes to what dollars are allocated to the to the wrestling division of these companies that they could be competitive for any of these names that become available. So I, I look at all of those options as on the table. We should add um, that, that Dave Meltzer has reported that all of these performers, the 10 listed, have 90-day no-compete clauses. So that would um, keep them restricted until July 14th. And at that point, they would be free to go anywhere. So if- Im- Impact, could uh, they could build up a follow-up to last year's Slammiversary. Uh, wow. That's the whole pay-per-view built around when everyone was available. That That is correct, yeah. Well, I if I'm Joe, I, like, who currently, outside of the WWE, would you say has the best deal? And I look at the career of somebody like John Moxley, who really feels like he's free to go wherever he pleases while still having a prime spot in the main event of AEW. If I'm Samoa Joe, I'm asking for that same deal. You can have me as a full-time AEW guy, but I'm free to work New Japan. I'm free to... You know, work blood Do sport blood if sport. I wanted to. Oh my god! Like just, I'm, you know, I just I'm going crazy just just at the thought of it. So, uh, and I think Joe has enough leverage, enough cachet in, arguably outside of the WWE, he's more valuable than he is within it. So, uh, if I'm Joe, I'm going for the for for as much as I can. Where do you see the iconics? I mean, I, assuming that they stick together, I think that they will be anyone going after one would want the other. I think that they would want to do even I I think for like the short term reunion, like if you have plans of breaking them up down the road, I think it only makes the most sense to put them back together. I think that their act works extremely well for an impact. Um, These are two, they're very popular. Uh, Certainly like in ring was not their forte, but we had seen great improvements uh, with Peyton Royce over the past year to 18 months um, that I, I, I certainly see them landing on their feet somewhere. Um, I, I don't even throw out the idea of an AEW showing, showing some interest in a group like the Iconics, but it was to me, like they seem to me to be ones that would fit very well in, in an impact as well. They would. Yeah. I, I do think that they are popular enough and, you know, they are another team where let's just kind of step back a minute and just think about what happened over the past year. Like, well, how did they botch this breakup? Wait, look at all these breakups here. Okay, you have the iconics that stand out here, but you had um, you, you had the breakup of uh, Kalisto oh. with the Lucha House Party, Tucker Otis with Tucker. Otis, um, Mojo Raleigh just like fell off the face of the earth after he was you know linked with Rob Gronkowski and. Wesley That's, Blake and and um, right Steve with the Cutler. Forgotten Sons. Like once once Steve Cutler was gone, I mean that kind of the die was somewhat cast for Wesley Blake, um, who just got forgotten about as well. I'll say one that to me, as we've talked about, like the improvements that AEW's women's division has seen, that I would totally be going after a Mickey James. That I think we were at that takeover in Toronto when they brought her in for Oscar, and they like. They were able to craft something really special with, with that dynamic of kind of the legendary figure coming in to wrestle Asuka, and it felt special. And that was never – you could see on the main roster, they never saw her in that light. She was just a, a background figure, and this is someone that has been a consistent performer for 20 years that 
this would be someone that you could bring in and work with all these younger women in AEW, build up to a Hikaru Shida match. Uh, to me, Mickey James would be a very valuable person to go after. No, absolutely. In any of these other promotions, uh, 100%. Uh, you know, as far as the Iconics go, I can see them definitely going to AEW because of the level of star power. And I think you know, relative untapped potential that they still have as characters that they can explore on an AEW roster. And on on being the elite and stuff like that, that they could work in. They should have their own series. Like think about creatively how far they can go now that they don't have the shackles of the WWE. So I, I, I see a lot of great potential for them. And you know, like the, the fact that they released the both of them at the same time in some ways is this is terrible. And I'm sure they're completely heartbroken about it because this is their dream. But to be released together is somewhat of a blessing because they go in now as a pair and they are strong and they can even promote the reunion that like, man, WWE basically set up, you know, they gave them a year off from from being together. And now they could, you know, spark some great story somewhere uh, for another company's benefit by doing a reunion. So I I, I think there's plenty of of potential and I hope, you know, even greater things in, in all their futures. It always, uh, to me, uh, it cushions the the blow uh, when you lose your job and you're so closely associated with another individual and then you find out that they're also part of the cuts and that you can go into this next chapter with that person. That's it, That definitely helps. I, I definitely saw some parallels. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, again, incredibly heartbreaking, I'm sure, when, when either of them got the call, but maybe a bit of a a bit of relief when they found out that the other was, was joining them and that, you know, going out of this company, they can uh, be a reunited pair. So the next question would be if, if they were to get their own digital series, could they call themselves icon ick? Icon ick. How would K-H-A-N. you spell that? Oh, um, and I think they could, uh, they could, they could try. Sure. I'd be curious how they could get around, like, the WWE version with, with, was with the two eyes, I imagine, for specific purposes of trademarking that, that particular... Uh, well, well, they can't even be Billy Kay and Peyton Royce anymore. No, no, they'd, they would need refreshes on, on their names. So uh, it'll be interesting wh- where they go, because they're two very, very popular individuals here. Now, not to say the others weren't here that are part of the cuts, but I think that a lot of people specifically their their comedic talents they worked mm-hmm. so well off of one another and that's that's a very valuable skill set to have in terms of morale backstage i mean it sure. seems like the, the female locker room is an incredibly tight-knit group and you know both of these two were seemed like they were longtime presences and you had a mem- number of members of the female roster in the wwe you know tweeting out their their support and disappointment at, at this news so um i think in that sense they they'd probably bring a lot to wherever they would go and then some of the others, uh, just in closing, like your Wesley Blake, Tucker, Mojo Rawley. I mean, to me, it's anyone that is part of this list. I think that there's enough companies out there. Once independents get back going, I think like there will be opportunities there. It really rests on the performers. What do you want? Do you want to pursue the, this industry? Um, because I think they'll have the opportunities. They have their work cut out for them. That f- goes for sure. Um, for a Mojo Raleigh, he's 34. So, I mean, you, you have to make significant decisions. Like if you are leaving, especially if you've been in the WWE system your whole career, and now you're going out there, 
the independent, like non WWE scene, it's not for everyone. And it's, it's not going to be potentially the, the same level of income that, that you're used to as well over the, like initially there'll be those demands, but it's pushing through. So it, it's question marks for some of these people. At this moment it's in time, it's still somewhat difficult to comment on what the independent scene is going to look like because it has yeah. not come back yet. We don't know what the number of options will, will be, but you know, if we're assuming everything gets back to the way it was, there's a high priority set on in-ring ability. And of this crop, um, you know, I think I could see Kalisto doing really well. Now, um, I'm not so certain about some of these others, I have to be honest. But I will say, somebody who I'm oddly excited about is Tucker. And if if there's any indication of, like, what this dude is, is going to be like, judging by his recent social media, uh, I guess, posts since he's been released... I'm actually quite excited about like the I don't give a fuck Tucker, you know, I don't give a tuck, Tucker. The subtle art of not giving a tuck. <laughs> there you go. Yes, like Tucker, who just like is free to speak his mind and doesn't doesn't give a shit in smoking weed on a golf course. The moment he he's been released, I'm actually quite excited to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, it's again like there's different avenues out there. Like Ring of Honor has really kind of changed up its show with the introduction or reintroduction of the pure division for someone with his background. That might be interesting. Impact is kind of this, this stage for you want to go and reinvent yourself. Impact is a great place to go and, and be a new character, break from your past. Um, I I'd look at a Mojo Raleigh, like it, it's all going to come down to the performer and like, where, where do you want to take your career for some? It might be WWE was it. And and that's it for others. Like, again, I think the opportunities will be there, but it's um, definitely your work is cut out for you. Uh, moving on to the AEW number from the other night. So this greatly exceeded my expectations. Uh, you and I were very conservative, I think, in what our estimate was going to be. I just looked at what Dynamite had been doing over the last couple of weeks. And while I felt that in time they were going to surpass like nine nine fifty as their regular baseline i did not expect that to be just one two weeks that they would be up there i thought it would take a lot longer to get there uh they blew past those expectations week one unopposed they did one million two hundred nineteen thousand viewers and a 0.44 in the demo in overall viewers it's their second largest number ever behind the debut in october of 2019 uh, for the demo, it was their highest since the week after Sting debuted and um, among their highest in the demo ever. Um, it's in that top echelon. But everything was up big this week. Uh, but significantly, it was that over 50 audience, the one that no matter how dominant AEW was, uh, that was NXT's demo. They controlled it uh, this week. Dynamite grew 108% in that specific category. So that that was a big difference maker. And I think that to start their way, I think you had a lot of fans that were accustomed to watching wrestling on Wednesdays. And the interesting question, and this will bear itself out over the next few weeks, are were these people that were just giving AEW a sampling or were these people that were... It was not so much they were against watching AEW. It's just given the choice, they were picking NXT over AEW. And will this audience stick with them? Like, that's an ex extremely high figure. I don't expect it to stay at that level. But if they level off at 
0.38 to 0.40 every week. Like that's a sizable gain for AEW in its oldest demographic. Yeah, it's not something we'll be really be able to know until a few weeks ahead of where we are right now. But starting from the jump, uh, we can at least see that people are at least curious enough or maybe they're just simply creatures of habit uh, long enough to be able to, to to at least give this first week a big shot. Um, you know, we we can clearly see like this is the NXT effect of that audience switching over to AEW. And do you Be, think being a lot, lot larger, I think, than we assumed it was going to be like if you mm-hmm. and again, this is this is one week. So I think we have to look at, you know, in four weeks from now, what what are these numbers looking like? And and I, I don't even know if it's necessary to expect this to hold up. But I would say this makes that blood and gut show in a couple of weeks. The ceiling just grew significantly higher. Like this to me would have been a home. I wouldn't have predicted this number for blood and guts um, under normal circumstances. Now it's, it's a very curious question about how large of an audience dynamite can attract for, uh, for an even bigger show. It makes you wonder if that was all in the planning, you know, when they did announce, because I think like many people, we were all asking, why are you doing blood and guts right now? Why aren't you saving this for a pay-per-view? Why aren't you saving this for, you know, when you have, uh, when you're touring again? Um, it makes you wonder if like they had planned on, you know, being now unopposed to put on a big show like that to, you know, head towards, uh, to promote really double or nothing. Uh, in the quarter hour breakdowns, uh, that are in the, uh, wrestling observer newsletter, the peak audience was for the Jericho Dax Harwood match that had Mike Tyson's involvement. But interestingly enough, in the 18 to 49 demo, the peak was Darby Allen versus Matt Hardy. And this has been uh, yet another a victory for Darby Allen, who has solidified himself as like a key mover when it comes to uh, television numbers, specifically your most important demographic. So I think that is a huge win. And to me, like Darby Allen has been a yes, he had a history before AEW, but to me is as much uh, in terms of national exposure, this is an AEW character that they have brought up and turned into a star. Oh, completely agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good, good to see those results of like. I mean, this is also Matt Hardy, so maybe you know. Does I think you have to give him some credit as well, a yep, recognizable yep. name. I was not necessarily a fan of um, uh, the booking of the match, but um, in terms of uh, you know putting it on air in that spot, I guess it worked out for him. What do you look at as the key reasons that the number were was up this week? Because there's a lot of different factors you could look at. I mean, I really do think the key is people tuning into wrestling on Wednesdays that are usually usually watching NXT deciding to tune into AEW. You also have to wonder if maybe there's still a bit of hysteria coming off of WrestleMania hype. People may be in the mood. I mean, I thought that would actually work against AEW. I, I did too. I thought it was the opposite, that all week, to me, AEW was in the background. It was all WrestleMania coverage that I thought that was actually going to hinder AEW this week. The buzz, the buzz for the Tyson thing to me wasn't all that strong, at least within our community. Um, but clearly, there was enough curiosity and an unimposed AEW night for NXT audiences to tune in. Given the jump in the over fifty audience, and I mean twenty five to fifty four was up fifty one and a half percent as well. Do you do you look at the decision to put Jericho on the most watched night for the WWE Network following WrestleMania that if you were to have tuned in and you like I could see people watch. I'm not saying it's the, the difference in doing 1.2 million viewers, 
But you watch that two-hour interview, and if you're a WWE fan that has not really followed Jericho outside of the WWE, I could see people leaving that interview and saying, I kind of want to check out this AEW company that I've heard about, but have not really sat down to watch, because that probably reached a number of people that are not regular Dynamite viewers. I definitely think if Vince either was present in the interview or maybe knew the number that this would the show this AEW show would be doing the the Wednesday after WrestleMania I do feel in my opinion he would have had second thoughts about letting the interview maybe be as uh, deeply entrenched in AEW discussion as as it was uh, maybe he wouldn't you know maybe he has just that much of a close personal relationship with Chris Jericho that he would have allowed it anyway but um I can't it was absolutely up to AEW's benefit, I think, to have Jericho do that appearance. Yeah, so a lot of interesting factors. We have a breakdown of all of the numbers up on the site. In Canada, the show did uh, just under 118,000 viewers, up from 81,000 the prior week. So it did have a jump in Canada as well, uh, not going against TakeOver. But yeah, it makes next week even more interesting to see, uh, for both NXT and Dynamite, what uh, what amount they retain next week. If this is uh, if they grow upon this, or if there's a loss, like how much of it do they maintain for next week? I think it's certainly very interesting, but I don't think anyone could have predicted this level of success for Dynamite. The, the WrestleMania element is really interesting to me because if, if, if this is the case, it would suggest that, you know, years from now, if following a WrestleMania, people just happen to be in a bigger mood for wrestling in general, can AEW benefit from another company's major show? It's interesting because I would have, uh, uh, 48 hours ago, I would have told you that the coming out of WrestleMania weekend, that there would be an audience that would be just totally consumed with wrestling that there's almost like a backlash effect. And instead it was, yeah, I think you had a very, it, it worked the opposite. Yeah. So I think there, there's something to that as well, that dynamite in all of this kind of piggybacked off of all of these consecutive nights of wrestling. And it wasn't burnout for people come Wednesday night, which on paper you could have looked at and thought that, man, if, if you are a fan that watched Two nights of TakeOver and you went into the weekend, you watched the two Manias and Raw or NXT by Wednesday, like the, the burnout factor does not appear to be there. Mm. So Pat McAfee has been added to the commentary team that will start tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. So we will have Michael Cole and Pat McAfee uh, calling the show. And it's an interesting place to put Pat McAfee, who tremendous uh, performer when he did the takeover match with Adam Cole and the war games match and a terrific promo when he was put in that position as well. Now we did get a brief uh, sample of Pat McAfee back on that SmackDown episode after the, the Saudi Arabia delays caused uh, NXT to be sent in. And I will say that night I felt Pat McAfee, great promo, but I do not want to hear this guy for two hours. Uh, we're going to see if, you know, it's two years later, but what, what do you think about Pat McAfee uh, on commentary? I'm interested to see how he sounds for an entire episode as opposed to just a portion that we got two years ago. I I think he had, you know, an obligation that week to kind of fly the NXT flag. I mean, it was towards the build for Survivor Series and, you know, he, he maybe had to be a bit more in character. This time around, I can expect him... I can expect, first of all, Vince McMahon being in his ear and um, therefore probably affecting the performance in a much different way than that, than what we had last time. 
Um, but I, I, I'm very excited. I think, you know, it was not a name I necessarily predicted, but upon hearing it, I really like it because, you know, he knows the product, obviously. He is uh, very good on air uh, in this, you know, at least in the promo capacity. And I have no doubt the transition for him to the commentary booth will be a very seamless one. And it also checks their box of having a mainstream name attached to the show that people recognize. And in this case, unlike, I would say, you know, in some of the other cases, this is a guy who is deeply knowledgeable about professional wrestling, has respect for professional wrestling, and knows the current storyline. So I'm quite excited for this pairing. I, I am too. I, I I have enjoyed Pat McAfee quite a lot, um, but it, it's not always like great promo translates to great broadcaster, and sometimes there is a big transition. I'll say working along, like Michael Cole, to me, he is like the perfect traffic cop in wwe mm-hmm. he has that rolled down solid that that is the person you want to play off of pat mcafee and i think it's a better it's still a very high pressure situation but i think number one being in a two-man booth uh being the uh analyst as opposed to play-by-play and working alongside michael cole in that role uh, to me i think pat mcafee can adapt to the role in an easier fashion than Adnan Burke, who is put right into the deep end immediately and is your lead voice on Raw that has to quarterback that three-man team. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I'm expecting very different results. I'm actually quite optimistic for tonight. Yes. So that is happening tonight. And Impact is going to feature the return to professional wrestling of Mauro Ranallo, who is going to be calling the main event of Kenny Omega and Rich Swan on the pay-per-view next weekend. This was reported by Mark Ramondi at ESPN, and uh, we have since confirmed. So Mauro Ranallo and Impact's announced it formally, but uh, he's coming in just doing the one match for the pay-per-view to obviously give it a uh, a feeling of something special uh, with, with Ranallo involved here and will be his first wrestling he's called since leaving WWE. I was very excited to hear this news. And again, uh, I think we are biased because we're friends of Moro uh, and we're fans of Moro, uh, more importantly. But to me, this has become like an added attraction to what was a, a match that I think we all knew was happening. But I can't really say the buzz. I would say the buzz is, uh, hasn't been as high as I thought. And maybe that's just because so much other stuff in the wrestling world has happened since then. You know, they've had to move the date for this one because bigger things have have ha- have threatened to to take take over um, maybe the attention. This Which was, was the right call. I completely right agree call. with that decision. But you know, you kind of like at that point, you're kind of you're kind of moving your date to to you know um, uh, make room for somebody else, and it kind of makes your your show seem a little bit inferior, even though absolutely it was the right thing to do. This added little thing, and and even if it was just you know the an announcer, not necessarily somebody in the match, it's to to many fans I think who remember more very fondly doing professional wrestling, a, a a big attraction and maybe the tipping point for people to actually pay to watch this Kenny Omega match. It's Moral calling a Kenny match. Did you get to see any of the press conference that Impact has uh, posted uh, involving mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, Rich Swan? And this featured members of the media asking questions. We had Ariel Hawani, uh, Sean Al Shadi was uh, from the Athletic was involved. We had Andreas Hale, but the star, Gareth Davies, who was just fantastic. This man was made to be on a professional wrestling show and was just fantastic, taking Don Callis to task. Uh, you know, I only saw the Kenny promo, so I didn't see the rest of it. I was not aware they had the MMA community, oh, you, really. You've got to go through this. Yeah, it was wow. it was fantastic. The, the Gareth one was just the best, and you would love it. 
wow how, how do you like it's just it was just them it was just video questions that were sent in that they i mean the, the, it was all like in character stuff that the uh, they responded to, but worth noting that Tony Khan, Tony Khan was at the press conference too, stating uh, he'll be at Rebellion. They're bringing their own referee in Aubrey Edwards, and that whoever wins will be doing the obligations of representing both companies. Like there will definitely be someone leaving with both belts, and they will be working for the other group for the time being. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, and uh... Maybe still somewhat surprising that none of it ever gets mentioned if you're watching any sort of AEW um, TV show. But still, uh, you know, us talking about it, and I'm sure, you know, audiences and fans talking about it is uh, very encouraging. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, we say it every time there's like something big happening with, with Impact, but I mean, this is the ultimate one. Like if there is, you would think Dynamite, like they would build it up, but I, I don't get the sense they're going to. Like if you're just a Dynamite viewer... You'd have no idea this match is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, like we know this audience is very, I would say, internet savvy. So I'm sure they're aware of it. But, you know, it always helps to have, of course, those reminders. Um, but, you know, we'll really be able to see come next week, you know, what the level of hype is for this match. It's almost like if they don't mention it, it, it almost like tips off your finish. Because, like, how would you explain that the next week if Kenny Omega did not have the AEW championship? You're just, mm -hmm. by the way, he had this match that we failed to mention to you that was promoted for several months. Uh, he lost it to Rich Swan, folks. So here's Rich Swan. Meet Rich Swan. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I had to place my bets, I think it would be on Kenny. Anyway, I think this Rebellion pay-per-view, it's shaping up nicely. They've added a, a Last Man Standing match with Sammy Callahan and Trey Miguel. Um, so there's all of that coming up a week from Sunday. And there will be a post-show that night here at Post Wrestling that will be hosted by Davey Portman and John Ceno. And they're going to be doing a primer for Rebellion on the Up Next feed next Friday. So if you have not been following Impact, uh, they will get you up to speed. Because as I've learned with this new extension, no one gets up to speed quite as quickly as John Ceno. This thing is a game changer. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, is, yes, it, is it? yes, it is. Sorry, it's is that uh, am I breaking character here by uh, revealing <laughs> the tricks of the trade? I don't know how many people are aware of what we're talking about, but yes, uh, John Ceno coming through with uh, uh, the, the the stock tech of uh, wrestling watching. Yes. Last story I've got here is that Anthem Sports and Entertainment has acquired Invicta FC, the all-women's promotion that has been around since 2012. Uh, this is going to kick off with uh, Invicta airing on both Access TV and Fight Network in Canada uh, with their next card on May 21st. Uh, Shannon Knapp, who was uh, one of the founders of Invicta, is going to be staying on board and will be part of the board of directors and running the company. Uh, I look at this as a very, um, a very int interesting purchase by Anthem, just in the sense that I, I almost look at Invicta, that if you're going to put the resources into it, um, yes, it's content for your existing stations, but when you look at the amount of companies, MMA groups that are getting television deals, like to me, Invicta is a very attractive promotion in terms of if you're looking for MMA content, an all women's group, uh, Shannon Knapp has a tremendous track record of spotting talent and bringing them up that if they can become more than just a feeder group for the UFC and sustain, uh, you know, being, you know, what it is like, this is not, uh, you know, a group that is going to be anywhere near the UFC in scope, 
but has its its popularity and has something uh, specific about it that is different from other MMA groups that if you were looking to license this elsewhere down the road, I think that potential could be there uh, for Anthem as well. So I, I look at it as, as uh, an interesting and a very smart investment here with Invicta. And it also comes with a significant tape library that goes back nine years on top of things. It seems like they're building quite the portfolio of uh, organizations. Can you see Anthem adding any more? I don't know. It's I, I mean, it's not like there's uh, a, this is also going to be in the old uh, slot on Friday nights that um, LFA used to be in when it was on. So it'll be on Friday nights. And yeah, I mean, it's number one, it, it's it's content for them. I, I don't know how many groups you want to be going out there and purchasing. I mean, it is a significant investment when you're buying an entire organization and also becoming like fight promoters on, on top of it. I mean, mm -hmm. Anthem like pre-impact, it was largely like buying licensing content. Now they're in the specific business of owning groups and running and operating them, which is a whole different beast. You know, what sort of um, synergy would you say exists between perhaps impact and, and Invicta? That's interesting. If they're like, they're, they'll both be on the same networks with the same ownership. Um, another point that uh, uh, reminds me of for another thing with the dynamite viewership this week is that uh, one championship did a way bigger number this week than the prior week. So week mm. one, which had Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez did 196,000 viewers this week with no stars did 337,000. And the only rational explanation I can come up with is that the people watching dynamite number one, didn't have takeover to flip over to catch and stuck around for one championship. So there was a added benefit for TNT with Wednesday's number uh, regarding one championship. But uh, to Impact and Invicta, yeah, I could see cross-promotion here, which I think you have to be uh, smart with. It's not always the easiest to do cross-promotion. But yeah, I could totally see that. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well... You know, if uh, like, I mean, one of Impact's star divisions is their women's division, and um, I don't know if there's something you can do with the two of them, but that's that's cool. It's exciting news. Maybe Rosemary will show up at Invicta. Um, I think that would be awesome. Raise raise someone from the dead, and we could uh we could go from there. Again, you've you've got to be uh, th this was Impact. Remember, uh, I guess uh, an ownership group ago that they're interaction between the two was Tito Ortiz attacking Quentin Jackson with a hammer. I blocked that out of memory. Well, most You're did. Right. All right. That's going to wrap up our uh, special bonus news edition. We're back in a couple of hours, 10, 15 Eastern time with rewind a SmackDown. Again, that will be live for all members at all levels of the post wrestling cafe. Do go check out a lot of great stuff up on the site. We've got the wellness policy with waiting and Jordan Goodman. Plus, the event that everyone is talking about the day after, Up Next Mania. Guys, this was tremendous. Like, they did so much great work. Those, uh, Braden and Davey, and shout out to Dickie for the incredible video work that he put in to this entire thing. Uh, I encourage everybody to go sign up on their Patreon if they want to see it. But I think for a limited time until maybe tonight, you can still check it out at twitch.tv slash up next podcast. So just shout out to those guys. Great work. 
The greatest compliment I can give is watching this prime target special for Braden Harrington and Chris Elliott. I'm watching this video. And by the end of it, it's like, I want to see who wins this thing. I hope Chris destroys this guy. I was was rooting for Chris. And you can go find out the result on Up Next Mania. Dude, I was going nuts. Um, John Ceno? Dude, if you want a hype man, it's John Ceno. Yeah, yeah. That guy was great. Yeah, I would want him in my prime target. So anyway, just tremendous work to those guys. And of course, John, you and WH Park just dropped the first pro res. That's right. You almost forgot, didn't you? I did. (laughs) I did forget. Uh, WH Park and I have a new edition of Post Pro Res. It's up on the site. Over an hour of us discussing New Japan booking. Uh, Usually, usually... I try to be the uh, the calmer voice, but listen, New, New Japan, they're they're going out there. They are they're going out there with some of their ideas, and I think how many F bombs did you drop? Uh, me none. Uh, WH probably several. Uh, but then we also chatted about the uh, the Carnival tournament, the Cinderella tournament that Stardom's got going on, the upcoming Noah show. So we covered a lot of news and notes going on in Japan. So that is also available on the site. And this weekend, we've got MCU Later for our cafe members, WH, Wei Ting, and Nate Milton, who are coming together for the second-to-last edition of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, which I am determined to catch up on this weekend. It's it's a big episode, and I think there will be a lot of interesting discussion coming out of it. So we encourage all cafe members to join us tomorrow and, of course, tonight for Rewind a Smackdown Live. 10.15 p.m., everybody. See you guys there.